Welcome to Passionate World Talk Radio. Educate, enlighten, entertain. And this afternoon on Cool Your Heels, Lillian Caldwell is going to interview Sue Zeal. Now, what makes her different from other people? Well, she wrote a book about losing weight. What makes it different from the other weight books? Well, it isn't quite exactly how to lose weight by running around like a frantic chicken or starving yourself and calling it fasting to everybody else. The name of the book is My Clothes Fit Again. The Overwork Woman's Guide to Losing Weight. So, Sue, could you please tell everybody who you are and what inspired you or motivated you to write yet another book about weight and how to lose it, not just for women, listen up, but also for men. Well, thank you, Lillian. I'd love to. Well, um, I have a personal and a professional um, reason for writing the book. Uh, Personally, I um, lost my father when I was 15 and I started to gain weight. I was the one cooking and doing everything for all the guests that were coming to visit him. So I ended up gaining all lots and lots of weight as a young child at 15. And then there was a day that his funeral came and I was supposed to get into my clothes to go to the funeral and nothing fit, nothing fit. And my mom said, Hey, what are you doing? You need to look presentable. We're going to your father's funeral. And I was like, mama, nothing fits. Also then afterwards I lost weight and I did the, what the typical person does is I lost a ton of weight. My adrenals went into a little bit of a shock. They thought, Oh my goodness, um, this poor child is starving themselves. And so I actually started doing the yo-yo diet. You know, I gained 10 pounds while well, I'd lose 15, gain 25. I did what everybody does, right? And so I, I started getting very sick. And that's the personal side of it. I ended up getting sick just because of my dieting style. But on the professional side of it, I'm a physical therapist and an integrative nutritional health coach and a yoga instructor. And what I realized in 35 years of practicing as a physical therapist is I noticed that um, people would gain weight depending on some of the emotional stress they were suffering from, if it was a hormonal imbalance or if it was a a digestive insult. Sometimes I would see a motor vehicle accident patient and uh, she would have whiplash. And then all of a sudden she would start getting stomach problems and then she'd start gaining weight. And so after I started to research this really in depth, I realized that the body responds to trauma in both um, a physical, mental, or an emotional way. And we hold on to weight if we have trauma in our body because of our autonomic nervous system. So my book is a lot different than the other diet books because if you pick up a diet book that says, eat this, eat broccoli, eat this, or like eat carrots, eat celery, and it gives you a protocol of what to eat. But in my book, I try and teach people what the body's saying so for example if you're having a a hormonal imbalance you know and you've added weight to different areas of your body that's your body telling you hey our estrogen is off or our testosterone is off and i teach people how to listen to what their body's telling them so that they can go well maybe that's what's happening to me versus just oh i'm just going to eat carrots for the rest of my life so i teach you about the body and what the body needs in order to be healthy that sounds pretty good. I remember I was on prednisone mm-hmm. and I was up to 190 pounds. And if you've ever been on prednisone, you know why. Yep. 
And I was told by my doctor, you really need to lose weight. So I did to the point of starving myself. And I did it while I was still on prednisone. So I got down to like 108, uh, no, 100, well, 110 or something. And he was hysterical. And I kept it off for about a year or two. And it finally says, you really need to get your weight up. Well, I got my weight up. And now it's really difficult for me to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm on a restricted diet, on course of everything else. We won't go that path. But anyhow, and I know that a lot of other women, especially if they've been models, have gone the same path. Yes. And they have found that after they've done extensive nasty things to their systems, we won't go into that. They have trouble really either regaining the weight, getting their eating patterns to regulate or they just can't lose the weight anymore because they feel like they taught their system the wrong things when they were doing that type of dieting. And so their body's now incapable of regulating itself and being able to lose the weight. That's exactly true, Lillian. Matter of fact, that happened to me when I was young. Um, What happens is your body wants to be in balance. And so if the adrenals feel that you're in a state of Uh, stress, they're going to slow down your metabolism so that your metabolism slows down so much so that you can eat a carrot and gain weight. But what also happens is when you've stimulated the autonomic nervous system because of fear and fear can be, like you said, a model could say, oh, I'm so heavy. I've gained two pounds over the weekend. That's fear. And the brain recognizes that as fear and the brain and the gut talk to one another. So what happens is the brain goes into the autonomic nervous system and it stimulates the um, fight or flight. And when the fight or flight uh, system is activated, we will gain weight. It doesn't matter because the brain's telling us we're in danger. Hold on to everything you have. And so, you know, like even if if, if, uh, the model says, okay, I've gained weight or she's been someone that's been in a system where she's been dieting her whole life and her adrenals are saying, okay, well, you've pretty much got to shut down. Now our thyroid is affected and now our liver's having a hard time because everything, it all works together and the body is trying to balance at all times. So when you add one thing, the body's going to shut down another thing. So when we find that balance, we no longer have to diet. We just have to make sure that we're giving the appropriate nutrition to the adrenals, our hormones, our, um, our gut. Um, we're trying to control too much sugar. People don't even know how much sugar they're eating anymore because it's all hidden in our food. And yes, so- it's amazing. Yeah. When I, when, I mean, I used to live off the land, so I made a lot of my own fo- food. And one of the things I never put in was sugar, but sugar finds itself into ketchup and barbecue sauce and into mustard. You would be surprised, folks, where they put sugar in. And it's because Americans or Western civilization does not like the idea of punishing themselves with nasty, sour, uh, ucky tasting things. When I was a kid, they first came out with aspirin that were sugar coated. So it tasted more like candy. And my cousin at a young age didn't know that and he didn't feel well. So he started eating these pills that he thought were candy and he ate almost the whole bottle. Yeah, he landed up in the hospital having his stomach pumped and his parents were, well, I'm not going to say what his parents were, but 
the start the moral of the story is if it has sugar in it and it's medication don't give it to your kids no don't do that but that's an interesting topic that you bring up lillian is that so here's what happens in the gut okay when let's say we look at a bagel and a bagel may have 38 grams of carbohydrates in it and when you read food labels that can be misleading also because you think 38 grams of carbohydrates okay well then they try and say there's sugar grams too but how you figure out how many teaspoons of sugar are in that that bagel you would subtract the fiber from it so let's say um you know you have eight grams of fiber in that and then there's four grams of carbohydrates in your your meal so you would divide four into the 30 and that's how many teaspoons of sugar you're actually eating okay so that's a lot of sugar now when the gut gets a lot of sugar and the bacteria in the gut is off we want a good gut bacteria because then it helps us to digest food and it actually craves good food but when the sugar imbalance is off in our gut it has a higher yeast in our gut and so what that does is have you ever made bread and you put sugar on top of it to make the sugar rice? makes it raise people exactly and so what that does is the gut now is saying i need sugar so it doesn't matter if you have the strongest willpower in the world your gut is saying to survive i need that donut i need that bagel i need sugar and so it tells the brain go get me some sugar and so even if you're trying to be the best person in the world with willpower the gut and the brain are talking and if that gut biome is not in the 80 20 percent 80 good gut bacteria to 20 percent yeast then what happens is the yeast starts saying hey i need sugar and you crave it and that's and then that throws everybody off because you know like what you you stated earlier you said people don't want to eat the sour icky foods but if you have a good gut bacteria you actually crave that food it's because your bad gut bacteria is so high that you're craving the junk food that makes yeah. sense yeah yeah it does to me so the so the amount of diets that are out there yeah. i mean my i my friend from washington dc just sent me one she says well you eat five five meals a day and you're eating mostly protein is a high protein diet well i know that if you're not really active and running around or doing farm labor 10 to 15 hours a day which is the way our diets were originally set up folks mm -hmm. Uh, it was not set up for the modern 21st century, nor the 20th century, for that matter. It does wreak havoc in your system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I've seen my daughter-in-law try everything to lose weight, and she finally settled on a keto diet. But now they're having some very bad things saying about the keto diet. And I often wonder even with Weight Watchers, which is depending on fat content and chocolate, folks, in case you ever wonder why it's so popular. That's why. That's why Oprah Room Free has never really lost weight. But moving right along, I would think that all these kind of diets, especially the ones coming out, Nutrisystem and the others that they have, is really all the wrong perceptions to get people to lose weight because it's not so much losing the weight, it's keeping it off folks maintaining the balance that you should be having and i've got to tell you if you have a autoimmune disease that eats your muscles all the exercise in the world is not going to help you that's a really good point um 
you you made a really good point in there. I wanted to go back to something that you had said is that everybody's body requires something different. And so yes. when, you, when you take a book and you say, okay, I'm going to try this, this keto diet or the paleo diet, they all have great value in some respect and they all have some things that aren't so, so perfect, but your body needs what it needs and it's called bioindividuality. And so one person may do really great on the keto diet and one person may do horrible on it because it's their body doesn't do well with it. It's just like being a vegetarian and eating meat. Um, like a lot of people don't do well when they eat meat. A lot of people don't do well when they have a plant-based diet. So the trick is figuring out what your body is asking for. And once you figure that out by understanding what the liver needs, understanding what the gut needs, understanding how the hormones are affecting us, and also understanding... Um, what's causing inflammation that could cause you to go into an autoimmune disease. All of those things are cues that the body's giving us, but no one knows how to interpret them. And that's what I try and do in my book. And the other thing that I do in my book is um, I, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I always say in my webinars, bloopers are, you normally have to play for bloopers, but you know. Um, okay. Well, then what are the eight? steps. Oh, okay. So the eight steps are actually what I want people to understand is they have to understand what they need for food. And the first food that we actually feed our body is what's considered a foundational food group. For example, if you're stressed about in the, if you're stressed about finances or you're in a really bad relationship or you're in a bad job or you're lonely and depressed, uh, let's say that you have no social network. Those are part of our foundational food groups and they feed us. So if a woman is in a relationship with a man and she feels abused mentally, physically, and she's trying to lose weight, she will not lose weight because that is feeding our spirit and our soul. And it's causing us to go into fear and hold on to the weight for safety and security. So I teach people about understanding what's feeding us. First is our foundational food groups. And then second is what we're eating with food. And I, I go through what, what's in the food because there's a lot of toxins in the food. And once our body tries to break down a toxin, that causes inflammation in our system, which could cause an autoimmunity disease. And I teach about what's in the food. Then the next step I do is I have people realize where they want to be with their life. So for example, you have to have a destination to go to. And that destination isn't just, oh, I wanna lose 20 pounds and look fabulous and look like that you know, perfect model. It is not that. A destination is, how do you wanna feel when you get up off the couch? How do you wanna feel when you walk up the stairs? How do you wanna feel you know, um, in your clothes? You know, how do you wanna feel you know, when you're standing? Just how does your body and what do you want to live like? Like, for example, we'll go back to the foundational food groups and we'll say, how do you want your social situations to look like? If you're lonely, how can we incorporate that to feed that part of your body? Or if you're in a bad job, how can we change our perception or change our position to make that better? And then the next steps are is once you have your goal, we start working towards those goals because you can't go anywhere unless you have a destination. You just go around and around in circles. And then I go through um, teaching the person about the liver and the gut and the hormones. I, 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 I try and encourage them to understand what their body's saying versus just ignoring it. 
You know, if we're not sleeping at night, that's a sign that maybe our hormones are out of balance or there's a sugar imbalance and we're waking up in the middle of the night because we're craving sugar and our body's saying, hey, you need some sugar because you just had that at three o'clock. You know, that pick me up sugar that we all do, you know, at three to keep us awake. But then that wears off. And in the middle of the night, maybe at two o'clock, you're wide awake and you're worrying about the bills and you're worried about everything. So I teach people how to read that in their body and know what to do with that. And then the next thing I do is I help them detox. I help them understand that detox isn't just with food. It's detoxing our files that are in our office that are all over the place and we can't figure out where everything is. It's organizing ourselves so that we feel comfortable and we don't have to have the fear. I also teach them about detoxing the foods they're eating, um, detoxing friendships that aren't serving us. If people are making you feel horrible, that's putting us in that fear mode and it's not a good person to be with, right? Um, oh, absolutely. I, I can test to that. Every time I have a bad fight with my boyfriend, Jelly beans. Come on. <laughs> um, let's see. And then the other thing I do is towards the end of it, I teach people how to, you know, I'm a yoga instructor also. And so what I try and do is teach people how to decrease the stress because we're finding, if you read all the headlines in the news, we're finding that stress is the number one um, reason for inflammation. And, our, and inflammation is the number one reason for all the diseases that we're hitting. And so we really need to de-stress. And especially in this time, I'm encouraging people to, I'm teaching them how to de-stress um, and how to, how to understand what their body needs to really function fully. My whole mission, if you really want to know, Lillian, is I wanted to help people now at this age and younger for me, you know, but um, 35 on, I want to teach people what's good for their body now so that when they're in their 80s, they're on the beach dancing and having fun and not sitting in a wheelchair or on oxygen because when they were younger, they didn't listen to their body. That's the whole thing. And what's more important, people? I'm 69 and I'm a lot better getting off the floor than I used to be. There you Think go. about that. Your body feels heavier. Whether it is or not is a mute point. Your body. I tried to do jumping jacks the other day. I couldn't even jump. And it's because my body is convinced it's so heavy. Well, it really isn't. But somewhere in my mind, my doctor put the uh, idea that I'm really 500 pounds when I'm not. But you are weighed down by all this baggage you accumulate. Well, the brain talks to the body. I mean, and that's, yes. I teach a yoga class. I actually teach a virtual yoga class right now. And it's turned into such an absolutely wonderful community because... I make people get up off the ground. As a physical therapist, that's what I did is I want functional bodies. So I'm encouraging people to breathe appropriately so they stimulate the relaxation response and not the fight, flight, or um, uh, freeze response. And in yoga, everybody has to get up off the floor, but some people don't know how to get off the floor. As a physical therapist, for years, I would see pain, people panic. And so now I'm like, okay, you got to get to this spot. You bring one leg up and you do this. And I teach people now. So I have a class that's called a Let's Start Moving class, and I have people that have had bilateral hip replacements, bilateral knee replacements, same person, mind you, a, a, a cervical fusion. Uh, I have one gentleman that's 86 years old. I have one woman that's 40, and we adapted for the needs of their body. And I think they've been with me for about five years now, and it's a fabulous little social network. And I, I want people to move and love their body because – you know, we only have one body. Only That's have right. And you only get one chance of this. 
we only get one chance and we got to take care of it. But some people, you know, it's like when I was a little girl, I'd fall, I'd come off my horse and I'd fall and I'd skin my knee and it would be bleeding and there'd be rocks in my knee. And I'd go, oh my gosh, I hope no one saw me. I got to brush this off, right? And I would just ignore that pain, right? And so we got so used to doing that, that we ignore that if we have an egg and we have the scoots right after it, that's a bad thing for our body. Or if we eat something and we're belching, that's a sign that the body didn't like it. Or um, if we're not moving, if we're sitting a lot, we get stiff and we feel heavy. It's just, we got to listen to our body again. And we've, we've stopped doing that. Well, you stop doing it after a certain age and you have to learn the fact that you only get one chance, but you also have to realize that you are unique. You're not like anybody else and your problems, whether physical, emotional, spiritual. Yes, I bring that up. You have to understand that you are different from somebody else. Yes. I know that I can withstand a lot longer than most people would care to or want to. Why? Because I was told that a woman sometimes has to put up with it because that's what women do. Now, that was a 50s philosophy left over from World War II, World War I, and proving that you're better than anybody else. But whether you want to believe it or not, that's what I was taught. You have to bear pain to be beautiful. That's what my mother taught me. I started hearing it around four years old every time she brushed my hair. And you know that you've been taught things like that as well. Just the way I did not teach my son that he shouldn't cry. I said, if you need to cry, you cry. None of this heroic crap. I said, if you don't feel well, tell me. If you hurt, tell me. I don't have a crystal ball. They don't have the repair parts in the shop. Haven't had it there for 1,500 years. And I doubt if they'll have them in another 2,000. So if something's bothering you, you've got to tell me. Exactly. They didn't do those things in the 70s with boys yet. They don't do those with boys in the 21st century. But I still tell my grandson, if you don't like something, speak up. If it hurts, cry. If it makes it feel better. Exactly. I said, do what's going to be right for you, not for me. Absolutely. Well, Lillian, you brought up a really good, um, you said something about women. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote this book is because I have noticed that you know, women used to manage the house, take care of the kids, get the dinners, do the laundry, take care of the household. And then we became, you know, a great workforce. And we started being very good with the financial, bringing the finances for the family. And yet we still, we still need to, you know, manage the children, manage the house, do the laundry, do the cooking. And so one of the things that I noticed as a physical therapist all these years, I would see women come in and they were just overwhelmed with what they were doing. They were exhausted. They had stopped taking care of themselves and they were just running. I mean, you know, they'd get up and they would, you know, help the kids get dressed, help the kids find their backpack, get their husband off to work. And then they would try and fit in breakfast. And then they would throw in a load of laundry into the laundry tub. And then they, they would be in the car eating, trying to get to work. Then at work, they would work, you know, doing an amazing job at what they were doing. And then at lunch, they were probably doing something for their children, you know, or, or going and getting groceries at the grocery store or picking up the laundry. I mean, we just have so many little hats that we wear. And what I found with my career is that I started noticing that women, I would hear this over, over and over and over. 
I would hear, you know, I can just look at food and gain weight. And it was starting at 35, women would start saying this to me. And I realized at that point that they were just overstressing their system. And it's interesting to know that even working out, I started to research working out for women. And after a certain point, Lillian, if a woman stresses her body and works out like a man works out, she'll gain weight. She will not lose weight because her body is getting too stressed. And women handle stress differently than men. So what a woman does is she compartmentalizes everything and she, she feels everything. Whereas a man, he can put it in the back burner and say, hey, I'm done with work. I'm going to sit here and watch the news. Right. But a woman, she doesn't do that. She still has all those little nurturing antennas out to make sure the dog's fed, make sure the clothes are done. She's still doing everything. She never shuts off. And that's no, she doesn't. I used to tell people, if you want a homestead, listen up. A man works from dawn to dusk. He comes home, doesn't do anything for the rest of the evening. A woman works 24 seven. And then the man has the talk, call, you know, turns around and says to the woman, well, you're not working hard enough. Why are you sitting down when I work out in the field, bending my, breaking my back all day? And a woman who's the old fashioned, I mean, I homesteaded. I did washing by hand, scrubbing on rocks. I carry water up a mile away. The bathroom was a half a mile down the lane. I would cook from scratch. Did I have a kid? Yes, which meant you had a diaper with cloth and you had to wash that and make sure it's sterilized. All a guy did was go out in the field and come back after working eight hours and take a load off his feet. But the woman got up before the husband by at least an hour, an hour and a half to start getting breakfast ready, to start getting the bread rising. So don't tell me that men work harder than women because I'll laugh in your face. <laughs> well, you know, that's really, you know, but in the olden days, Lily and I, that is something that um, actually I, I remember seeing it to the point. And there are some, now I will say this, there are some super men out there. There's super women that do everything and they try and do everything. And then they're lucky if they have a super man that jumps in and helps with the laundry and helps watch the kids. And we're seeing a little bit of a shift in that. I think that, Women's body is is just set up so differently that she can't turn it off, whereas a man can. But sometimes, you know, I did have, this was a really funny thing, uh, Lillian, is that I had a client listening to my book on tape, and uh, the gentleman came over the next day, and he says, I want to know why men can't benefit from this book. This book is awesome. Why is it just geared for women? I go, it's not geared for women. It's just about handling, you know, weight loss and getting back into your clothes. Anybody that has a hard time buttoning up their pants or putting on a dress will have a great time with this book. I said, but women handle stress differently than men. And that's one thing I wanted to get in inside the reader's mind. But also... I'm seeing a shift where men, there are men now, which I'm very thankful of, that are jumping in and just as much as Superman as a, as the Superwoman complex. They are helping out. But I do know what you're talking about because I remember my dad, he would go to work and then he'd come home and sit. And then we would buzz around and do everything. But my mom wasn't working outside of the home. There was a huge shift in, you know, what women's roles were. And After the war, yeah, yep. but then you had the added responsibility. Exactly. And I just know from living off the land, which yes. is 
you do it like it was 200 years ago, that a woman never stops. No, and she still doesn't stop. And she still doesn't. And no. that's part of the problem. Exactly. And that's what I'm trying to say in the book. It's okay to be able to sit down and have the kids, maybe, maybe the kids need to jump in a little bit more. You know, maybe it's okay to sit down. I think sometimes the woman feels like she can't say no. And I want to encourage the woman saying no to some outside might be saying yes to your body when you're old. What we need to learn how to do is to put ourselves first. Not yeah. second to our husband, not third for the children, and certainly not under cockroaches and pets. <laughs> we have run out of time, Sue. So please tell everybody where they can find you and your book on the World Wide Web. Any contact information, any little advice, whatever you want to share. Perfect. Thank you, Millie. Well, you can get a hold of me at sue at suecillwellness.com. That is my email address. I have Suecill Wellness uh, website. And my book is on Audible. It is an ebook format and it's um, paperback format and it's sold in all bookstores and um, through Amazon. And if you're interested in uh, virtual yoga, again, you could email me at sue at suecillwellness.com. Or if you're interested in um, learning more about how to take care of yourself, again, it's sue at suecillwellness.com. Thank you. And thank you all very much for listening to Passionate World Talk Radio. Cool your heels with your guest, Sue Seal. And you can hear this on all social media, on YouTube, Twitter. Facebook, just go to the website, https colon forward slash forward slash passionate world talk radio.com. Follow the directions and you should be able to either see or hear the video and audio of this program. Before we go away and stray, the Marquis of Halifax had this to say in the 17th century, wisdom is only a comparative quality. It will not bear a single definition. So thank you all very much for joining us this afternoon. Remember to keep wearing those masks. Keep wearing or being six feet apart. It does make a difference. And have a good evening. Thank you, Lillian.